know we have a, a lot of visitors this morning, so I, I'm going to kind of give you a, a two-minute uh, bring up to speed where we're at. But we're in a study right now. We believe that God has called us as a house. And by that, I don't mean as a building, but as a body. God has called us to be a house of healing. And by that, I mean spiritual healing. He, he's, he's called us to be a place, a lighthouse, where people who don't know Jesus can find Jesus. They can find a safe place. They can find a place of refuge. They can find a place where God can, can work in them, a, a house of restoration, and then a, a place of relationship, a place where, where they can build a relationship, not with, just with people, but with God as well. And so we, we believe He's called us to be a, a spiritual house of healing, but we also believe He's called us to be more than that. We've, we believe He's called us to be a, a place where, where God can heal emotions, God can heal minds, and God can heal bodies. And for a lot of believers, that's a little scary because they've not heard that. They've not heard that taught or preached. I, I didn't grow up in a tradition that taught that. But as I've studied Scripture, I've found that, that when Jesus died on the cross, He paid for a lot more than we've been told. And so this morning we're gonna we're gonna pick that up and, and we're in a we're in a series called Reclaiming Biblical Healing and we're gonna talk about healing and the atonement. And 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 it, it is an Easter message, okay? You you may you may have come and you think, well, I came to hear about the resurrection. Well, you're gonna hear about the resurrection because the resurrection is God's validation that what Jesus did on Friday is enough. Let me say that again. The resurrection of Jesus, the, 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 the infilling of life that He received through the Holy Spirit from God the Father was God's validation that what Jesus paid for on the cross was sufficient. It was enough. Nothing else ever had to be added to it. It's called atonement. In the Old Testament, uh, every year the priest would go, once a year he would take the sacrifice, the, the, on, a, on the Day of Atonement, he would take, they would sacrifice the lamb and the goats, and he would take the blood into the Holy of Holies, and he would sprinkle the altar, and he would make atonement for the people. He would make uh, uh, satisfaction, is what it really it is. And what would happen is, God would accept that. But that was like a credit card payment. Okay, it wasn't complete. If you understand what I'm saying, how many of you know, boy, you can flash that credit card and get pretty much what you want. But at the end of the month, what happens? The bill comes to you and you have to pay it. And in a sense, what that high priest was doing, he was flashing God's credit card. But there was a day when the bill came due. And that was the day Jesus died on the cross. And when Jesus died on that cross... One of the last things he said was to telestai. It is finished. In other words, the debt is paid in full. That's what the Greek word means. The debt is paid. And then it got silent. You know the story. They, they took Jesus down from the cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb. Joseph of Arimathea on the tomb. They put him in the tomb. And then it was quiet Friday evening, Saturday. But on Sunday morning, God said... I'm satisfied. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, He raised Jesus to new life. He gave Him life. And Scripture says He is the firstborn 
from the grave. So what I'm going to talk about this morning is really about the resurrection. You see, when Jesus made atonement, it was enough. Now, atonement's one of those big biblical words that, uh, that a lot of times we don't really understand, but it, it, it really means reconciliation. In other words, fellowship and, and, and relationship were restored between God and man through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see, sin had separated us from a holy God. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. That's what Scripture says. But when Jesus died on the cross, He made a bridge back to God. And not just to God, but to man from God. You see, Jesus is the bridge. It's not something you do. It's Jesus. He did it. And so what happened is, is, is that relationship was restored between God and man. And the effects of sin were removed from, from his sacrificial death. And that's, that's what we call the atonement. And literally, if you break atonement down, it could mean, very simply, at one meant with God. We're, we are at one again with God. There was enmity between us and God before Jesus. But after Christ and his death on the cross... There's nothing there. He's taken away the sin. He's paid the debt. And so if you know Christ this morning, you are at one with God through the the death and the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus satisfied God's law. God didn't just wink over His law. See, the the law had to be satisfied. And the law said that, that the soul that sins dies. And yet, God sent His own Son who did not sin and who took our place. He just kind of pushed us out of the way and He died in our place. And what happened is atonement took place. If you remember uh, the, 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 mercy, I mean the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, there was a seat on top of it, the lid. It was called the mercy seat. And that's where the, 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 the priest would sprinkle that blood and it made satisfaction. God was satisfied. It's a picture of Jesus. That's what it is, an Old Testament picture of Jesus. And so Jesus came, and He died, and He satisfied God's law, and, and He did what God, righteous, God's righteous judgment demanded. He gave His life, and He died for sin. Jesus didn't just die for sin, folks, and this is something we need to understand. Jesus literally became sin for us. That's what Scripture says. He became our sin. He didn't just carry our sin. He became our sin. And He gave His life in place of ours. In other words, just to make it really simple, God substituted Himself for us. That's what He did. And He bore the full cost of sin. And what atonement did is it cleansed that sin debt... And it brought release from the consequences and the effects of sin. And it restored us. And it restored God's blessings and His favor. Now, I probably don't have to share this, but I'm going to. Sin entered the physical world through the choice and the action of who? Adam. Adam. 
Adam made a choice. But its origin was in the heart of Satan. It was in Lucifer. Lucifer is the first sinner. Adam was the conduit from where it came from the the spirit world into the natural world. And when sin came into this world, it brought a lot of things with it. It didn't just bring death. See, we, we think about death, but it brought more than that. It brought the causes of death. It brought sickness. It brought disease. And ultimately, it brought death. None of these things were God's will for humanity. Do you realize that? It was never God's will for a human being to die. And I'm going to say something that may rock your world. It's still not God's will. Okay? But because of sin, we do die. But because of Jesus, we can be raised again. Do you see what God did? God did something that was a mystery. See, Jesus paid for our sins, and on Friday evening, He's dead. He satisfied the soul that sins shall die. And Jesus took the place of all the souls that sinned. And he's dead. And then God did something that nobody was prepared for. But Jesus had talked about. He said, I am satisfied with that. He is holy. He is righteous. And he's never sinned. I'm going to raise him back up. And he breathed his life through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in those of us who are believers. God breathed his breath. It's it's the picture of Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 1 where God breathed his breath into Adam. God breathed his breath into the second Adam. The last Adam is what Scripture says. And whenever last is is before something, it means the, the final one. There won't be another one. And so Jesus' death was sufficient. And what happened is sin brought sickness. It brought disease. It brought death. None of those things were God's will. We weren't created to endure sickness. We weren't created to endure death. We weren't created to to be diseased. We weren't created to be tormented by the enemy in our soul and our mind. None of those things were God's will. I'm going to say that again. None of those things were God's will. Folks, if it's not His will, if it wasn't His will then, in Adam's case, guess what? It's not His will today. It's not His will that we suffer death. And say, well, yeah, but we still die. Yeah, but it's not God's will. Everything is not God's will. Some things are the result of choice. Adam chose. And folks, we are enduring the results of Adam's choice. Not only did, did Adam choose, we choose. We choose. And so, if it's not God's will, then then what is God's will? What is God's will? There's a Hebrew word in the Old Testament that's used over and over and over. In fact, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And that word peace means shalom. It's the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom means wholeness. It's not just the absence of turmoil or, or no fighting. It means wholeness. It means health. It means health of the body. Prosperity. It, it's, it, everything that's good is contained in shalom. It's fullness of life. That's the abundance that Jesus came to give every one of us. 
I love what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I want you to think about that. Steal, kill, and destroy. What does disease do? Steals, kills, and destroys. What does turmoil and torment in your mind do? Kills, steals, destroys. What does death do? Well, it's obvious it kills. But it steals and it destroys. The enemy comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, I came that they might have life. That you might have life. And might have it abundantly. And that word abundantly means more than is really necessary. See, God doesn't just give us enough to get by. God gives us everything we need and then some. Scripture says he lavishes it. He pours it in us like you would pour water in a, in a glass. And when it gets full, he just keeps pouring. It just runs over. That's what it means to lavish. Jesus came to bring salvation. Now, we have a very narrow understanding of that word. And, and I don't know that that's anybody's fault. But what we have is a very narrow understanding of it. That, that word in the Greek is, is a little word, a little four-letter word, sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. And sozo means t- to rescue or deliver. Except it was used in three different ways in the ancient world. It was used to talk about redemption of sin. It, when, they, when they talked about redeeming something, they used the word sozo. When they talked about deliverance of the mind or the soul from torment, they used the word sozo. And when they talked about physical healing, they used the word sozo. And yet what we have done effectively is we've cut the final two meanings out and we've only taken one meaning in the church. See, when Jesus came and when Jesus died on the cross, he bought total salvation. He purchased total salvation. In other words, He fulfilled the fullest meaning of that word. He gives us redemption of sin. He gives us deliverance from torment of the mind. And folks, He he heals us physically. That's what He does. That's that's salvation. When Jesus died on that cross to redeem us as, as human beings, folks, He did it completely. You see, we were dead not just in spirit. We were dead in body and soul. We were the walking dead. Dead men and dead women walking. That's what we were. And when Jesus died on that cross, He didn't just die to give us spiritual salvation. He died to complete salvation. Spirit Soul and body. But what we've done in the church is we've taught a partial truth instead of the whole truth. And Scripture is very clear that that Jesus came to take care of the whole issue. And His atonement, folks, it provided salvation. It provided deliverance for us from all the effects of sin. Not just the spiritual effects, but also the emotional and the mental effects 
and the physical effects. Jesus made full atonement for the whole person. That's why on Easter Sunday morning, God said, I accept it. It's complete. It's not partial. It's complete. He made the payment. And Jesus became us so that we might spend an eternity with Him. He became one of us. He became one of us. Jesus showed people during His ministry what spiritual salvation looked like. How did He do that? He healed bodies. He delivered people from torment. You see, they they saw with their eyes and experienced with their bodies and their souls what spiritual salvation would be like. And when they believed in Him, guess what? That peace came. What happens today when we believe in Christ, when we trust Christ? His peace comes. And we're delivered from our sins. We're no longer forced to pay for them ourselves. I want to take a, a couple of passages of Scripture this morning. And I want to look at a, a very key passage that's found in the Old Testament. And it's one, I think, that tells us in no uncertain terms that what the Messiah would do, what Jesus would do, was complete. It was the one that the, that the Old Testament uh, scholars and teachers looked for in Judaism. And it's, it's the one that many uh, new, uh, present day scholars look back and tell us that this, this is a passage that explains exactly what Jesus would do. It's found in Isaiah. It's in Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. This is a familiar passage for most people. But in verse 4 it says, Surely our griefs He Himself bore, and our sorrows He carried. Yet we we ourselves esteemed Him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his stripes or by his scourgings, we are healed. Now, I'm preaching out of the New American Standard this morning. The King James is not a lot lot, lot different. Most translations are not. But there are some words in this passage, in this text, that are strangely translated. When they're not translated the same way consistently throughout the rest of Scripture. The New American Standard says that surely our griefs he himself bore. And our sorrows he carried. That word grief there can also mean sickness. And in fact in in most of the Old Testament that word is translated sickness. Our griefs. Our sicknesses. And then it says, and our pain, our sorrows he carried. That word can be pain. And it's translated that way very often in the rest of Scripture. And so let's read it that way. Surely our sicknesses he himself bore, and our pains he carried. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten. That word smitten means struck down. Struck down of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through, he was wounded. For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastening for our well-being. That word well-being is the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom means wholeness. It means healing. 
It means prosperity. And what happens is this, this, para, this passage of Scripture mentions the forgiveness, the redemption of sins, and also the healing of the body in the same sentence. And what it does is 500 years before Jesus actually hangs on the cross, it paints us a picture of what he would do and how he would suffer. It pierced through. That's a picture of, 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 of being crucified. He was scourged. That's what took place prior to him going to the cross. He was beaten with a cat of nine tails. And then he was hanged on the ground. He was crushed. And, and I'll get to this in a minute, but that's, that's an interesting word there. It's a very interesting word. He was crushed. Do you know that although Jesus was crushed, there was not a bone in his body broken? Not a bone. The Old Testament said that. You know why? Because he was the Passover lamb. And the Passover lamb could not have a bone broken in it. Matthew quotes this passage. We find it in Matthew chapter 8, 14 and 17. And I'm going to read this a little bit more of this verse because it gives us a, a context for what takes place. And, and when Jesus had come to Peter's home, Jesus saw his mother-in-law lying sick in the bed with a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and she waited on him. And when evening had come, they brought to him a man or, or, or men or people who were demon possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were ill in order, listen to this, in order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. He's quoting that passage from Isaiah 53. Surely our, we translate it grief, surely our sicknesses he himself bore and our pains he carried. Matthew says he took away our infirmities. He took away our diseases. Now, I believe that Matthew was guided by the Holy Spirit to write that. He, he pulled that passage out to explain exactly what was taking place. You see that throughout the book of Matthew. You also see it in Mark and Luke and in John. The writers, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to use this passage here. This will explain what's going on. And so he applies that Isaiah 53 passage to the ministry of Jesus. And what the Holy Spirit is telling us that Jesus is the one who made atonement for sickness and for torment as well as spiritual redemption. And Matthew's writing for for, for Jewish readers. He, he's being very specific in that passage. Now, later in the New Testament, Peter quotes the passage again. In 1 Peter 2.24, Peter says, And he himself bore our sins on his body, in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his stripes, by his wounds, you were healed. Peter's guided by the same Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit's telling us is the one who made atonement for sin carried our healing on his body as well. When God says something three times in Scripture, here's what I've learned. When he says it once, you need to pay attention. But when he says it three times, he's trying to communicate something. He's trying to get it across. I don't know if any of you were hard-headed children. 
Hard-headedness did not work in our house, okay? My dad never said anything three times. One time was enough. I can't imagine three times. But God, is said, He said it three times. He said it in Isaiah. He says it, listen to me. He says it in Matthew. Then He says, listen to me one more time in First Peter. Folks, God's trying to communicate something to us. It's an essential element He wants us to get. Now you can spiritualize it away if you want to. And you can, you can relate it to just spiritual healing. And, and, and spiritual salvation if you want to. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But there's more to it than that. Okay? There's more to it than that. There's a literal sense. And I believe God speaks literally. Okay? I believe this scripture is pretty literal. I realize you have to Look at Revelations through the symbols. And I realize there are prophetic passages in the Old Testament where you have to look at the symbols. But for the most part, if you take the literal, grammatical, historical meaning of the text, you will know what God thinks and what God says. And so in this passage, it's three times. Three times. Now, you can take it literally and you can access a new level of experience in your Christian life. Or, you can do what most people do. You can ignore it and you can say you believe God heals and God sets free, but you won't experience it. You know why you won't experience it? Because you don't believe it. We do what we believe. And we talk about all the rest of it. Okay, you say, well, that's a little hard. That's the truth. If I believe it, I live it out. If I don't believe it, and I'm not sure about it, I just talk about it. Here's what I think the Spirit of God is trying to tell us this morning. Jesus carried our sickness. He carried our diseases. He carried our torments. All of those things He carried with Him to the cross. Isaiah tells us that He was beaten. He was scourged with a hip, a whip. I really believe that at that, at that beating, that that's where our physical healing was won. That's what Scripture says, by His stripes we are healed. See, I don't think that was just something the Romans did to have a good time. I think it had meaning. I think it had deep meaning. All of the things they did were talked about in the Old Testament. They were, they were proclaimed and prophesied long before they took place. Why? Because they had meaning. There was nothing Jesus did that was a wasted movement. He didn't endure any pain that was wasted. Every, I, I don't know what the word, every ounce of pain he suffered purchased something. It paid for something. He didn't waste an ounce of his blood, nor his flesh. And in a few weeks, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Scripture tells us very clearly that the blood of Christ paid the sin debt. Then the body had to do something because we celebrate it. And I believe it bought our physical healing. I believe it bought our deliverance from torment. I believe it was a package deal in a sense. 
It was complete. One payment. The same passage tells us that he was pierced uh, through, nailed to a tree with, by his hands and his feet. A crown of thorns was pushed down on his skin, in, the skin of his forehead and his head. A spear was thrust in his side. All of those things all were afflictions of his physical body. Folks, his, his blood was spilled to pay our, our sin debt. Everything was there at Calvary. I mentioned a little earlier that he was crushed. That's what Scripture says, he was crushed. But not a bone in his body was broken. So there has to be a deeper meaning than just being crushed. Remember, and I know many of you have heard these sermons, and I'm not going to go into depth with it, but men that were crucified died because they suffocated. Okay? They were hung on a cross, and the only way they could breathe was to lift themselves up on the little stand. And then they would drop back down. And what would happen is their lungs would fill with fluid. And they literally would smother. And scripture says that he took our sin on him. Okay? And that he became sin. Now this is just my belief. I believe our sin crushed him. Okay? That's why he died. It pushed him down until he could no longer breathe. And he died for us. Folks, he, he became our sin. You know, I, I can't do this for you, but I can do it for me. I can consider all the things I've done that are wrong. And I can't imagine the Son of God becoming that. That's what Scripture says. He became that. He didn't just bear it. He became that. And when the... When the Sin of the world was placed on him. And when I say the sin of the world, I'm talking about the sin past to Adam and forward until the day Jesus returns. Okay? All of that sin was put on him and it crushed him. He was crushed by our iniquity. When the soldiers come, because it's a holy day, and they want to they get this over with, they don't want to leave anybody overnight, so they break the two thieves' legs so they'll die. They can't push themselves up and breathe. They get to Jesus, and Scripture says what? He's already dead. He's already dead. So there's no bones broken in him. He was crushed, but no bones were broken. What I'm trying to say this morning is when Jesus died on that cross, he purchased complete salvation for spirit soul, and body. He bought forgiveness of sin. He bought deliverance from torment. He bought healing for the body. They were all purchased on that faithful day. Jesus came to reverse the curse of sin. Okay? He came to undo what had been done by sin and by our wrong choices. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And those are the works of the devil Folks, they are not tools that God uses to make us better. You've heard me say this over and over and over. God can use sickness, but God does not send sickness to make us better believers. He can use anything. He doesn't send sickness on people to make them better Christians. That is 
a lie that was perpetrated in the Middle Ages and the early part of the church where they believed that, that you know, if I'm suffering, then I'm becoming more holy. That, that's not true. That's not what Scripture teaches. And so God doesn't send sickness, but He sent Jesus to deal with sickness. He sent Jesus to deal with sin. I'm going to say this, and this might freak you out a little bit, but what sin is to the spirit and the soul, sickness is to the body. It's an outward picture of what sin does to us, spiritually speaking. It's a physical picture. King David. He, he quotes a scripture or writes a scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that, that lists, links this forgiveness of sin and this healing of the body and mind together. It's found in Psalms 103, one, verse 1 through 5. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. And then he begins to list his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. Iniquities is another word for sin. He pardons how many of them? All of them. And then he says, who, who, who heals all your diseases. How many diseases? All. All. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things. So that your youth is renewed like an, av- an eagle. David rejoices because all his sins are pardoned. And all his diseases are healed. All of them. He's redeemed. He's, he's crowned with grace and compassion. He's lifted up out of, the, out of the grave. That's what the pit was. Folks, God's gifts are good. All the time. That's what David is saying. He doesn't send sickness. He doesn't send disease. He doesn't send torment to make us better. Okay? That's a garbage. There's some other words, but because we have guests this morning, I won't use those. Okay? Y'all don't know me that well. Jesus died to give us the righteousness of God. The holiness of God. God's not sick. God's not tormented. God doesn't struggle with disease or arthritis because He's righteous. He's holy. First, or excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one says, "He and it's speaking of God the Father made Him Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him." Folks, we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have become, that's what this text says, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Folks, at the cross, Jesus didn't just become our sacrifice for sin, but He became a Savior who delivered us from sin, from all its effects, not just a few of its effects, all its effects, spirit, soul, and body. When Adam tasted the fruit and he willingly disobeyed God, all kinds of hell were let loose on this earth. Okay? The the door opened. And what happened is, is our gene pool was infected and the environment we live in was infected with disease and demonization and, and defilement from sin and death. 
All of those things poisoned us and it poisoned this planet. Listen to me. Death is not our friend. Okay? It's not a gift from God. It's not the doorway to heaven. All right? Scripture says death is the, an enemy. It's the last enemy that will be overcome. God considers death an enemy. And it will be cast where? Into hell. It's not God's friend. Okay? It's not a blessing. It's, it's, it's an enemy. So, so death's not something that, that can make us better Christians. Because it, it's sent to us. Folks, disease doesn't make us better. It kills us. Any of y'all struggling this morning? Is it helping you? Is arthritis really helping you? Is cancer really helping you? Is sore muscles and, 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 and achy backs and all that other stuff, does it really help you? Well, then why do we believe that garbage? Why do we believe that? We don't talk about this very much, but you know what? Demonization doesn't just happen in third world countries where witch doctors chant and people worship rocks and sticks. It happens to believers and unbelievers alike. They are tormented in their mind and in their bodies because the enemy wants to destroy them. He can't have them, but he can destroy them. You remember what Jesus said about the, the thief? He comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So where in the world did we take things that kill, steal, and destroy and, and flip them around and say, these things came from God? Jesus says, I didn't come to do that. I came to give you life. Life. I love what Jesus says in, 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 in John chapter 10, verse 9 through 11. And this will give the context of the verse I keep quoting here. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. You remember what saved means? Redeemed from sin. Delivered from torment. Healed of sickness. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. In other words, you will find rest and you will find substance. You will find protection. And then he says, if the thief comes, though, to steal, kill, and destroy, I came that they might have life. There it is again, that they might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Folks, Jesus is the Savior. He is the forgiver. He is the deliverer. He is the healer. All of those things are his name. And they're not just things He does. They are who He is. They are His essence. They are His being. And He's revealed those things to us. He alone can give abundant life. And folks, He did it through the atonement. Through the work on the cross. 
He substituted it. Himself for us. And folks, every bit of that stuff was finished at the cross. I quoted this verse earlier, but it's found in John chapter 19.30. Just before Jesus dies, He declares, It is finished. Not His life. I mean, He says uh, earlier to His disciples, No man takes my life, I give it. And He chose chose the time and He chose the place because the last thing He said was, Father, into Your hands I commend my spirit. And then He dies. He chose when He would die. But He says, it is finished. And that word means to be paid in full. It would be like if your mortgage payment or your car payment. When you pay that last when you get a stamp on it, And the deed is yours, and it says paid in full. And when Jesus died on that cross, He paid that debt for sin. Redemption. Torment. And healing in full. And it's interesting, the the tense of that word that He uses means that something took place in the past, and the benefits of it continue into the future forever. And ever and ever. The action happened once. But the benefits last forever. Folks, I believe that there's healing in the atonement. For the spirit. For the soul. And for the body. Why is it. That it's so easy. For us to have faith. And believe that a person can ask Jesus to come into their life and save them from their sins. And that they be spiritually born again. But we don't have enough faith to believe that He can set people free of the torment that's in their mind. Or the affliction of their body. Why is that? I think it's because we've only embraced a portion of what He paid for. We only understand a little bit of what salvation means. Folks, we've accepted a partial salvation when Jesus made a total and complete payment for a full salvation. Now this is just me. I'm no longer willing to accept what's partial. Okay? I don't care what this preacher brother or that preacher brother says. I've decided that, you know what, for me, I'm going to pursue the full payment. I'm going to go after God to get everything that Jesus bought. If Jesus didn't waste anything on the cross, why should I waste the benefits of it waiting till I get to heaven? When I can access at least some of it here. Okay? You say, well, I've, you know, I, you know, I, here's what I believe. I believe seeing is believing. In other words, we will see it when we believe. Let me say, I didn't say that exactly right. I said that wrong. Believing is seeing. When we begin to believe that God's word is true, we will see. We've been taught, though, to see first and believe, but that's not faith. That's not what Scripture teaches. I believe that Jesus wants us to walk in what he paid for. And I believe this morning that he's looking for for people. He's looking for a house that will just believe him. They want 
allow their inexperience or what they haven't seen or what they haven't done or what they've never heard of. They won't allow any of that stuff to keep them from pursuing him until he moves. I just, I, I mean, the scripture says that God walks to and fro looking for someone who's completely his. In other words, somebody who believes that he, say, he meant what he said he said and what he meant. Folks, the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate today is God's declaration that what Jesus did on the cross is enough. And He's satisfied. What that means is you and I don't have to do anything else. We don't have to become good enough. We don't have to have enough faith. We don't have to go to church every time the doors are open. Although it would be nice when we open our doors if you would all come. Okay? Because we don't open it that much. But listen to me. It's not all this do's and don'ts. It's what Jesus did. It is either complete or it's not. And God said, it's good enough for me. So if it's good enough for God, we need to stop beating ourselves to death with the sticks that the devil give us. That he gave us. We need to stop condemning ourselves when God says there is therefore no condemnation anymore. We need to stop, start believing. And if we believe it, acting it out. That's all I'm saying this morning. Folks, the sin debt is paid. The consequences are erased. And I really believe this, or I wouldn't say this this morning. I believe there's healing in this house this morning. I believe that. I believe that it is available for anyone who will reach for it. That's healing of the Spirit. There are some people in this room this morning that don't know Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, hey, come to me and I will heal that. I will take your sin and I will give you my righteousness. If somebody offered you a million dollars for whatever you drove up in this morning, how many of you would take it? In essence, that's what God's offering this morning. Except you can't put a price on salvation. Spiritual salvation. He's offering that this morning. If you'll just, if you'll just give up and stop running, I'll take your sin. I'll give you not just eternal life, but I'll give you abundant life. More than you need. But he's also, folks, offering emotional and mental salvation this morning. There's some people in this room that he wants to deliver from torment. You go to bed every night. Your mind is racing about the things that you have done and what's going to happen and the fears that overwhelm you. And God says, I didn't create you to go to bed that way. I created you to lie down and to sleep. I created you with peace. And I believe God wants to deliver from some torment this morning. But there's a third one. That death on the cross also purchased our healing. And there's some of you in this room this morning that need a touch from God. You just need God to touch you and to restore your body. To strengthen you. So that you can finish what He's called you to do. Look, the enemy is the one who brings sickness 
and disease and torment and death. And Jesus destroyed His works. They have no power over us unless we partner with the enemy. When we begin to partner with Jesus, we begin to see freedom. We begin to see deliverance. We begin to see healing. Folks, I believe the risen Savior is in this house today. And He's here for us. He's here to give us what we need so that we can go after Him and bring others who have need to Him so that He can give them what they need. See, when we have nothing to give, nobody wants to follow. Nobody wants to come. But when you have Jesus, you got something to give away. Some of you this morning just need Jesus. And whatever situation or circumstance it is in your life, you just need Him. What I find in Scripture that is true, there is never a situation where this is different, is every person who came to Jesus, He healed. Whatever they needed, He met their need. He has not changed. Scripture says He is the same today, yesterday, tomorrow. If you come to Him, He will meet your need. Let's pray. Father, this morning, For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.